Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. We are week two into our month of remakes. We just came off of our remake of The Blob from 1958. We jump forward a couple decades and do a remake of a movie that's a little more modern, but still way back there. This is the 2009 remake of the 1981 Canadian slasher film, My Bloody Valentine. Except this one is My Bloody Valentine 3D. 3D. (laughs) Fancy. And crazy that it was the very first real D R-rated release in the U.S. Uh Uh-huh. So... They really took advantage. I, I wish I had actually seen this movie in 3D because it was so chock full of 3D gags. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of it. Like, <laughs> it's a lot of really fun 3D gags and then kind of a movie around that. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it did really well, but you have to wonder. I mean, it was a $14 million budget. It, it raked in over $100 million. Um, you do kind of have to wonder if that wasn't part of it, right? Like, ooh, we could see a horror movie in 3D. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure that was a huge part of it. I saw it in 3D. It was good. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I went to the theater with my dad. I, I mean, I don't remember a lot of specifics about it, but I, I remember seeing it. I, I didn't even... I knew that I had seen it when we decided to do it, but it wasn't until I saw all those pop-out 3D effects in 2D that I remembered that, yeah, I saw it in 3D, and it oh. was good. <laughs> the, the, the 3D effects were fun, yeah. They were. I mean, just, just like a bowl of laughs, really. Like, like just every excuse they can do to, to shove a pickaxe in your face. Well, I mean, what better weapon, really, <laughs> for, for a 3D movie? You know, that thin pickaxe just coming right out at you. And it, <laughs> and it will every 10 minutes or so. Every 10 minutes. <laughs> it's not light on kills at all, or gore, or even nudity. Boy, I can't wait to talk about that scene. We saw the original. Uh, we did uh-huh. the original on here, and we... We enjoyed it, I remember. We enjoyed it, although we were, we acknowledged that there was some ridiculousness uh, to the plotting. It seemed very focused on this little love triangle drama and this intense hatred that all these people had towards this one guy who came back, you know, after all these years. And I remember us going like, number one, why do they hate this guy so much? And number two, like... Why the hell are we spending so much time with this stupid love triangle drama <laughs> shit between those three characters? And at the end of the movie, they kind of ended up getting kind of together. And there was a moment where they had to put their differences aside and go and hunt down the the girl who was trapped in the mine. I was really shocked at how closely to the original this went. I mean, it wasn't exactly like the original, but it did follow pretty closely to the storyline in some in many ways at least the idea of the storyline i thought yeah it did i mean they intentionally changed some things to surprise you which mm-hmm. good they they should when we first started watching it at first i thought ooh maybe this is going to be more kind of a reboot sequel kind of deal yeah. cuz the first 10 minutes are action heavy and the first 10 minutes almost felt like the first movie yes because in the original movie most of the kills happen while these teenagers are having a party at the mine. Mm-hmm. And and that's the first 10 minutes of this movie. So I thought maybe we were going to kind of get this 10-minute recap of the first movie, and then it was going to expand upon the story, but it didn't really. Yeah. Thank God, or else we would be you know, going against our, <laughs> our <laughs> commitment to do remakes and not reboots. Yeah, I was worried about it, too. But it sort of turns out they just kind of flip things a little bit. In the original movie, like you said, all the kills take place at this party that they're not supposed to be having on Valentine's Day because the last time there was a Valentine's Day party, this killer um, right. who had been trapped in a mine and killed some people, it's a little convoluted, came and killed people. And they do it, and that's tempting fate, and the guy comes back or kills happen right yeah like in the in the original that party where a bunch of people had gotten killed it happened like 30 years ago it's like in this movie yes. it it just happened 10 years ago to the same people right <laughs> that the movie is it. now going to be about yeah yeah so it was almost just like showing us what was just talked about in the previous movie right but it was it was a good opening sequence i i mean i was kind of surprised uh by it it's it starts with just um a montage of like newspaper headings and kind of just gives you the background i guess uh, a bunch of men were buried alive in these mines 
Tom is the main character played by Jensen Ackles. I guess it was his fault. Like he forgot to bleed. <laughs> he forgot to bleed the lines. I don't know what that means. I like gas lines, I guess. Yeah. Not too sure about that bit. I and don't he, know. He would have been what, like a teenager. So, I mean, uh, right. I don't know. <laughs> a teenager or, or early twenties. It is hard to say because 10 years pass after the first 10 minutes, but nobody ages. No, <laughs> <laughs> there's no attempt at all to age these people. <laughs> no, <laughs> but anyway, there was, there was an explosion and it was apparently his fault and nobody was killed in the explosion. But one of the miners down there, the only one who survived killed all the other ones to eat them like i or was he just crazy i don't know it was something about the oxygen or he killed them because he was afraid they were going to use up all his oxygen i think yeah maybe whatever he killed them he got a yeah when he got out he was in a coma but then he woke up from the coma i don't even (laughs) i I guess i must not have taken notes on the opening scene just because i i don't see anything in my notes but there a bunch of stuff happened in the mine was that right away was that the very beginning well, you just talked about the opening sequence of, and then then the nurse comes in and Harry Warden sits up. Harry Warden is inside the hospital. He's the guy who we talked about who had, I think the whole mining accident bit that you just talked about, um, and he, this guy ended up in a coma, that was told to us through the newspapers and the voiceover during sort of the opening credits, which were very 3D. Yeah, I remember... We see this because he wakes up, the mm. guy, the miner wakes up and slaughters an entire floor of a hospital. Just slaughters everybody <laughs> in the worst possible ways. There are body parts everywhere. There's there's blood all over. Almost like he's just taken complete joy in it. And I love these cops who, my gods, the acting in this movie can be so bad at times. Even from people I know who are decent actors. The delivery. Oh, my goodness. These two cops who go up there and one one goes, I think I waited too long to retire. You and me both, Finch. Who did this? Harry Warden. Harry Warden's in a coma. Guess he woke up. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even notice. I don't know. I think I was expecting it to be... (laughs) Kind of hokey like that, I guess. I thought the acting was fine overall. At the same time, there's that party going on at the mine. Right, that's how it happened. Mm-hmm. So then we see... But really, I, I feel like we shouldn't gloss over... When I say slaughtered an entire floor, like... Oh, yeah. At first, I thought he had just killed like the person in the bed next to him. And when I say killed, I mean like rips into a thousand pieces. <laughs> like, yeah, like the lower half of his body's <laughs> gone and the arm is somewhere else. And yeah, it, they're just their body parts like literally just spread everywhere. It almost feels like, in a way, like this This is like a haunted house. Like if you walk yeah. through. <laughs> a like super a, gory one. Like just ah, throw all the body parts here. Just everywhere you can. Tuck some fake legs and arms and heads and stuff like that. And splash blood all over the wall. And Everywhere, right Everywhere. on the wall. It is a mess. Yeah. It's an it's nuts. Mess. And I saw uh, an interview with the writer, whose name I don't have handy. He's also in the movie. Todd Farmer. Yeah, um, I saw an interview with him, and he said that most of these kills and like all of this gore is the director. Uh, he, I think he said something like, this guy lives and breathes and dreams blood. <laughs> and I believe it, because this is a really bloody movie. And, you know, the kills are great, but maybe even more impactful is just like aftermath. The yeah. aftermath that you see is just crazy. To the point when I was, I was thinking, did we get an unrated version of this? You know, because it's so excessive. But no, I don't. I don't think so. I think it's just yeah, it's just yeah, gory, just gory movie. But yeah, so so then there's uh, the party. Well, first of all, and I wondered if um, you felt the same way. And I feel like maybe it started to not. Maybe I didn't notice as much as the movie went on. But the way that it's shot, yes. in real D or whatever. Uh, first of all, when it's close-ups on people, it's some of the like cleanest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to like, like it looks so crisp. Look, really. It's it's really really sharp, like almost looking at a, a photograph. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to describe it, but the depth stuff and that you know real sharp imagery of anybody in close up, it kind of gave it like an uncanny valley kind of feel. Did you? Yes. 
it was a little bit disorienting at first. Maybe I got used to it as the movie went on, but it was a little bit disorienting at first. I felt like um, it almost had the look of shot on video. Back in this time, like 2000, oh, I guess it was more like around 2009 and, and, and a few years before it, especially like 2001 when Lucas was shooting uh, his Star Wars prequels. And I remember that, that being a big deal because he was shooting them entirely on video. And before that... Just a year or two before that, like we were just experimenting with this, but people weren't really shooting movies on video. They were, they were shooting them on film, digitizing them, then adding effects and things, you know, digitally, and then so they still had that film look. But some of those earlier video cameras that were specifically made for shooting big budget Hollywood movies, to them still they were a little too sharp, a little too clean, a little too crisp. The action was a little different. I'm also thinking about, we did a while back, what was that movie where they're going in and doing asbestos abatement? Session 9? Session 9, that's right. Session 9, which was the first big budget movie shot on entirely on video with that newer technology. This had a little bit of that look to it. It was just like a slightly upgraded version of it. And, And the only difference was, I think this was better lit. And like you said, yeah, a lot of specific shots, especially like the 3D ones, I don't know if it was the way the digital effects were added in or maybe just the way that the camera had to be for it. It just seemed a little too sharp and crisp right. and, and real. Yeah, I know what you mean. And gosh, I, what is it at the hospital? I don't know. I've got the Sheriff Burke is investigating mm-hmm. and there's a heart, a human heart in a box of chocolates, which of like the, you know, the heart shaped Valentine's boxes, which is, you know, a direct tribute. I don't know. It's a remake, so it's not really a tribute, but it comes directly from the original. That's like the killer's calling card or whatever. Mm-hmm. You find that and there's like hearts drawn on the walls and mirrors and, and Harry is gone. And then we jump to the party at the mine where we meet like the main characters, I suppose. And these characters are the same as in the original, it's this love triangle. You've got Axel, played by Kerr Smith, who a <laughs> hundred years ago when we had our guest uh, host, Simone, she was a big fan of Kerr Smith. He's from Dawson's Creek and many, many other things since then. Mm. But he kind of plays like, you know, the rough, edgy guy. And then there's Tom and Sarah, and Tom is played by Jensen Ackles of Supernatural fame. But again, he's done bunches of stuff. Um, And Sarah, played by Jamie King. And they set it up immediately that Tom and Sarah are together and Axel is super jealous and, like, (laughs) blatantly so. Like, makes it perfect, like, totally obvious that he's jealous (laughs) of them. Um, And they're all headed into the mine for a party. And there's other people partying around. But immediately, like, Sarah walks in there she like takes 10 steps in and a guy gets stabbed through the eyeball right yeah. in front of her. <laughs> Suddenly, it's so funny because at some moment I realized like Sarah's walking into the mine looking for someone. I'm not exactly certain, but as she's walking through, it's like suddenly the party is just done. This party where kids are coming in and out of the mine and hanging out and there's all this music and noise. Like suddenly there's nothing. I guess it's because this Harry Warden is there taking everybody out with the pickaxe. Yeah, and there's a there's a tense scene where I, I what like two or three other people get killed, right? Mm, oh yeah. And they're hiding but just off to the side and these other people getting killed kind of more or less distract him the killer from them and they they all kind of manage to get out. But uh who is it? They leave behind Tom. Tom. Yeah, oh there's a great effect by the way. The, one girl who gets killed was a like the shovel in the mouth. Oh right. Yeah, like I feel like we just saw something like this in um, Wrong Turn. Wrong Turn, uh, yeah. W- where the, the whole top part of her head gets cut off. In this case, with a, sh- a shovel, I think. But yeah. Well, and, and the effects are good. And maybe because of the 3D, they really insist on pushing you right in the faces of these victims. Absolutely. Like the, right. The, their heads are covered. So this woman, it's like you're looking down the handle of this shovel as it is shoved into her mouth and all the way through to the back of her head. And again, her head is just filling the frame. And then that top part of her head just kind of slowly slides forward on the shovel as the rest of her body falls away. It's great. The effects are fantastic. And I assume a number of them were digital, but... Oh, yeah, they had to be. I couldn't tell. You know, they weren't obvious digital. No, they looked good. Yeah. Even, you know, that I said that a guy gets his eye stabbed out from behind. And again, you're right. Like it's 
just the head, pretty much, in frame, and the pickaxe comes through the back, out his eye, so the eyeball is on the tip of it, and it comes right out at you, yeah, because uh, it's 3D. But even in 2D, it still looks fun. You can just tell. <laughs> Obviously, this was one of their big 3D moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Tom kind of gets left behind. I don't really remember why, but um, the sheriff comes in and shoots Harry like three times. Yeah, but um, Harry makes his way off into the mine. And apparently they never found him, or at least that was the story or something. Uh, And then we jump to 10 years later, and Tom is coming back to town because I guess his dad has died, and his dad owned the mines, and he's coming back to sell the mines. And so everybody hates him Yeah, because he's selling the mine. He's, like, you know, robbing them of their livelihoods, and he's going to ruin the whole town. But he can't, for the life of him, understand why everybody's so mad. Yeah, right. (laughs) I don't get it. You are dead's boy. (laughs) Why are you so mad at me? (laughs) This guy was not cut out to be a businessman. Let's just put it that way. He can't get the basic concepts of business and employee (laughs) satisfaction down. This was a little different from the original, because as I remember in the original, the party is the big event that leads to all the killing that we see in the film. And what we just talked about would have been more like just it wasn't even a flashback sequence in the first film, but the, but it was it was an event that they discussed in the first film. Right, right. So there's that. But uh, in the first movie, I just remember that Tom comes back and it's just like because he ran away and left them, they're pissed off at him. Uh-huh. I, I don't remember there being anything about his dad or the mine or any sale of the mine or anything like that. In fact, in the original wasn't. I think Axel's dad owned it or something, or maybe, maybe, I don't remember, maybe Axel's dad was killed. I don't remember. It had something to do with Axel's dad. At least in this case, they gave kind of more of a reason, you know, whereas I think when we were watching the old movie, they were like, God, why does everybody hate this guy so much? You know, like, let the poor kid come back to his hometown and hang out, you know, and, and everybody just had a vendetta against him for no good reason, so. I don't remember, in the original, when... He's got a. I think his name is TJ in the original, but the character's Tom. When he comes back in this movie, Axel and Sarah are now married and have a kid. I don't think that was the case in the original, was it? No, they were just like girlfriend boyfriend. Everyone seems stunted in their teenage years. Right. Yeah. Yes, I do remember talking about that. This that adds a whole new level, and yes. and for me, it was like. Why now is there still this love triangle? Now, right. now they do establish they do establish that Axel's a jerk, like he's cheating on her with her friend <laughs> and works coworker with, who works with his wife. Oh god. <laughs> and look, I don't know. Maybe it's a straight dude thing, but like if you are going to cheat on your wife, would you cheat with the person who is as identical to her as could be like these two girls aside from like a, a four inch height difference they're identical yeah like i don't know i would just think if you were going to cheat on your wife you might be wanted like spice it up i don't you know wanted, you'd want something little, <laughs> you're trying to add variety into your life not more of the same is that what you're saying <laughs> i guess but whatever he's a jerk apparently um but they're married and they have a kid yes. it would even be a totally different thing if like okay they're married but people get divorced you throw a kid in there that that complicates everything mm-hmm. so it's just weird to see and i wouldn't even say that tom and sarah flirt but there's clearly something between them Mm -hmm. tom where did you go it's been 10 years you look even prettier than when i left you say that like you just went off to school or something you just vanished your dad didn't even know where you were we all started to think that you were dead and it's like awkward. Like, well, and also, I don't even know how to Tom's it. a little antagonistic as as well, which you know, it's hard to gather too much sympathy for him because I think at one point, and I don't remember, I think it's later in the movie, but he just kind of out of the blue starts an argument up with Axel by telling Axel that she settled for him. Yeah. And I was like, God, what? <laughs> Where did that come from? You know, it just, it, I think it, it just felt like the the writer was trying to create some drama here, and it felt a little forced and a little. I was a little head scratching at times. You know, I don't really believe that people would necessarily act this way. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are people who do act this way. There are some very childish people who do really stupid things. Right. But I don't know. Just like 
They've been married for a while. They've got a kid who's not a baby, you know? No. They're established in town. I'm even wondering, like, why does Axel, aside from, oh, Axel's a jerk, why does he even really consider Tom a threat? Well, because his wife is <laughs> fawning all over him, I guess. I don't know. Kind of, but not Plus, really. I mean, he doesn't really see that, right? He, he suspects yeah, it. Yeah, right. Because he knows that they've bumped into each other, but he's never standing there watching them make eyes at each other. No, no, he doesn't, but he does find a photograph of them that his wife has pulled out and accidentally left on her dresser. Like <laughs> That was stupid. That's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> was really I was rolling my eyes repeatedly. Oh, God. <laughs> you don't pull out a picture of your old boyfriend and pine over it and then just accidentally leave it out. That is ridiculous. <laughs> and and I just, I just watched some cast interviews and uh, the girl who plays Sarah brought this up, but Like, all of them concurred that they were so proud of this movie because it's not your stereotypical slasher because it's so (laughs) character-driven. Like, they they have put so much thought and so much work into their characters and into their relationships that, you know, you really are invested in these people and you're conflicted about who it might be and, like... Somebody said um, Kerr Smith has a really narrow line to walk because you're supposed to be suspicious of him and think he did it, but at the same time, you're kind of supposed to like him. And oh, I didn't give a shit about any of these people. I didn't either. <laughs> I, I kind of like the, the drama between the three of them was dumb yeah. and boring, and I wished that like those parts I, I just... I was waiting for them to be over. Like, I don't care. I I don't care about you talking on a bridge. I don't care about you having a meat cute in the grocery store. Like, who cares? More killings. (laughs) It It was a little melodramatic at times as well. I felt like the characters were very heightened. Maybe they put too much into their characters, where they almost started to feel kind of stock after a while, especially Axel. I'm like, why is this guy just seem mean and cheaty and pissy all the time you know yeah i know he's always in such a bad mood like (laughs) why did she marry him in the first place he's so grouchy but (laughs) maybe maybe it got lost in the editing i did see i didn't have time to watch them all but i did see that there's uh close to 20 minutes of deleted scenes oh wow available on youtube which i assume is from either a dvd or blu-ray release probably but maybe some of it got lost because it, it seems like they the actors were giving character it just didn't really translate to me especially with tom who it seems to me is barely in the movie right (laughs) kind of yeah now that you mention it (laughs) like he's important and they talk about him a lot but he just kind of pops up on screen every (laughs) once in a while to remind you that he's still there he just pops up on the screen looking confused uh-huh. So, and while other people berate him for one thing or another, <laughs> and then he wanders or off. Or punch him. Yeah, yeah. It, including this guy named Ben, this older man named Ben. Now, that actor sure seemed familiar to me. What do I know him from? Oh, yeah. Gosh, I don't know. Uh, both the, the, the older gentleman that played Ben and the one that played Burke, both have been in a bazillion things. Um, Kevin Teague or Taihe, T-I-G-H-E, I don't know how to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's been in a million things, and I feel like he always plays smarmy guys. Mm. He's not as smarmy in this, but I, I think we've seen him in horror before. I don't know. Yeah. One of our listeners will tell us. I feel like he's, <laughs> he's all over TV, that's for sure. Maybe that's where it is. So, yeah, um, so they, they have an argument because uh, this is where we first learn about Tom is going to sell the mine and Ben is arguing with it. Your dad and I protected those men. Selling the mine won't sit well with anyone in this town. That mine is Harmony's lifeblood, Tom. We're talking families here. I was assured that, that everyone would get severance and that the more experienced men, like yourself, would be kept on. For how long? Three months? It's not my problem. <laughs> I know, but gosh, it's so contrived. Yeah, because it just feels... Oh. He, 
he did not need to come all the way back after being missing for 10 years to sign a piece of paper. Yeah. Like, this is 2009. Yeah. Like, you just have, have a lawyer, lawyer sign it, it, fax it. You like, there, that, that's, that's not a legitimate reason to be there. No. Secondly, the people in the town can be pissed off at him all they want, but he's under no obligation to keep this f***ing mind. Yes. Like, <laughs> and... Why then, knowing that everybody's pissed off, does Tom just wander randomly into different places? Like, he decides he's going to stay at this seedy motel. I thought you were rich. I mean, if you own this mine and you're going to sell it. And then one moment he's going into the bar for no reason. It's like he's meeting anybody there. No. He, he just wanders into a bar so that the old men there can get pissed off at him again and yell at him for selling the mine. Is Tom just wandering around the streets just trying to antagonize people? <laughs> it yes. Was funny. I, I don't think he's trying to antagonize people, but I think ultimately we can explain why this is. But yeah. yeah I, so yeah, he checks into this seedy, mo- seedy motel. This scene is brilliant. Oh, like, I love this scene. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. First of all, the lady who runs the motel is this famous little person who I know I've seen in other stuff, but I couldn't I couldn't place her. And she's got this adorable little dog, and they're a cute little pair. But she gives him a room, and as he's walking to his room, he hears people banging loudly. Now, this is a cheap motel, like a, a roadside motel. So, yeah, <laughs> no. these things happen yeah. here. But he, he kind of walks by and pauses and, and kind of glances towards the window, not even really in any kind of creepy or pervy way, just kind of, you know, a quick glance. And then Almost he... Like- Rolls his eyes, really. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and then he keeps walking. And then we see the scene. It's this huge guy who is the writer of the movie. Mm-hmm. He's this great big guy. I, I called him Mr. Clean. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what he looks like. He's really muscly. And he's banging this blonde girl who is actually one of the girls that we had seen at the party. She was like in the same friend group as all of these other young people. Irene, right? Uh, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she's played by... Betsy Rue. Betsy Rue, who I don't know a lot about, but what I do know is that she is buck naked for the next five minutes. Yeah. First of all, it's a pretty graphic uh, sex scene. Um, very... Uh, she's having fun. Athletic and... <laughs> yeah. Flipping around. She ends up on top. I love it how she looks. Of course, this is also your typical CD motel room that's meant for, I guess, the honeymooners with like mirrors on the ceiling and there's yeah. like a heart shaped <laughs> bathtub in there. And she's like, oh, oh, and she looks up at the mirror on the ceiling and is like, oh, I look great. <laughs> and she does. She looks um, yeah, She great. does look great. And so they finish and he gets up and starts getting dressed and he grabs a video camera, which she didn't know was there. And he's like, well, this is just for my personal collection, but also I'm done with you or something like he's breaking up with her. And to add insult to injury, he throws cash at her and she's like, I'm not a hooker. And he's like, well, you are now. This guy was a tool, man. Well, he was mean. Like that was unnecessary. Just leave. But he goes out uh, to his rig uh, or whatever. And she chases him out fully nude. Now, I read in interviews after this, she said that it was actually her idea to remain nude when she ran out into the parking lot. Mm-hmm. I, she said it's because we shot it a bunch of times, and she kept trying to like grab the sheet and cover herself, but it just felt awkward, and it wasn't really working. And she said, just forget it. I'm just going to do it naked. She said, in this moment, my character wouldn't be worried about being seen naked, she'd just be worried about getting that camera back. So she chases him out there fully naked, which I thought was a bold move, but also like a badass move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she comes across really badass in this. Uh-huh. And he he opens the door to his rig, and the miner is in there, and Mr. Clean gets the pickaxe through the head right in front of Irene. Mm-hmm. So she runs back to the room, and it's just a really great, you know, she scurries under the bed. Um, you don't know if he's you don't know if he's gonna find her there, but of course he is. But not before. Like he walks the miner walks in the room and then hears somebody else coming, and so the miner goes in the closet and the lady who runs the motel comes in looking for her dog. That bit I didn't get. Why is she coming into this random room? So that he can kill her? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> 
I'm just pointing out the logical problem there. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it doesn't make any sense. Like she doesn't even knock or anything. No, I don't, just... Maybe the door was open. I don't know. But anyway, she comes in and uh, she opens the closet and he's in there. And then he like underhands the pickaxe up through her head. And because she's so small, he, you know, lifts her completely off the ground and smashes her into like the suspended ceiling and the lights flash. And uh, it's a great kill. Yeah. And then Irene makes a noise under the bed. Not like he wouldn't have found her anyway, but she makes a noise and he pulls the mattress off the bed and it's just a wire frame. So it's like she's like in a cage. Mm -hmm. Somehow either he lifts up the bed or she stands up and lifts it up. She does. She ends up propped up, like backed up against the wall with the bed frame in front of her. And Again, it's, you know, kind of exploitive and and voyeuristic and totally for the male gaze. But I just thought that that imagery of her fully naked and vulnerable, looking like she's in a cage and trying to fend off this guy as he's, you know, swinging his pickaxe at her and and misses a couple times. I just thought that it was a really good, scary scene and really good imagery. I liked it. And I think she was right. She was right. Her being nude added something to the scene, I thought. She was absolutely right. And you know, honestly, like, it felt way more real that way. Mm-hmm. And she came across as way more badass. And I, after a while, you not not after a while, like after a very short while, like the fact that she's nude is almost superfluous. Like you're not even really thinking about it uh-huh. because she's just defending herself and she's just that much more vulnerable, like you said, because she's completely naked. They, she talked about doing that scene, how they had to change it and everything. And, and that bed apparently was not light. <laughs> you know, oh. so they had to work out how to do it. And um, it was just kind of a fluke that the writer ended up in that role. Like, I think they had somebody else for it, but then that person backed out and he kind of approached the writer and said, would you like to do that? And he was like, heck yeah, I'd love to do that. And as I was reading a little story that um, Betsy Rue and uh, Todd Farmer ended up on the same plane to go out to the shoot and he was talking to a person next to him about being on the movie and uh, shooting the movie, and she overheard it. She was just like two seats ahead, so she just like turns around and goes, wait a minute, are you going out to shoot this movie? Yeah, and so they made the connection. They end up sitting next to each other in the plane, and she said they basically wrote their whole sex scene right there huh. while they were on the plane. So he, he said that a, lo- a lot of the people in the cast and crew were joking that this is the only reason why like, he wrote that scene was so that he could be. Yeah. Right. If he did, I wouldn't blame him. Writer's privilege. <laughs> There's also uh, in the in the credits at the end with the thank yous. Uh, there's a thank you to his wife for allowing him to be in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, thought that was cute. It's funny. And then it just like it's the big mystery, and and I that happened uh, in the other movie too. It's just kind of a series of people getting killed, and yeah, this one leans into the mystery more. I don't even remember how it all happens, um, but they all think it's Tom. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everybody does, and I, I don't know. Somehow it comes out that they know that Harry is dead. Like, this didn't make the news or anything. Yeah. But I I guess, like, the town elders or something all got together and got into the mines and found him and killed him and buried him. And and I maybe, if I'm skipping stuff, it it just all, this whole middle part just kind of bleeds together to me. It really does, because I think we already talked about how it's just a bunch of drama between them that almost is, doesn't, it's not really adding or helping us with the mystery at all. It's just a lot of people running around accusing each other of that. Axel's obviously involved, and, and he has recovered the tape. Have we said that Axel's the sheriff now? I don't remember if we Oh, said yeah, that. sorry, we didn't say that. Yeah, Axel's the sheriff. And so he's watching that tape as evidence, and he sees that, you know, Tom walked by the window and looked in at one point. Um, and they're just all suspicious of Tom and everything like that. Tom's been approaching Sarah at the store, and they have these walk and talks. Then, I don't know, like, Tom seems to, like, just, again, he's just wandering around. And at one point, he goes back to the mine uh-huh. and asks to go down into it. And I was like, why? But he, he has this encounter where he's in there, 
and uh, suddenly he turned. He, he's down there with another guy, and this other guy has to get on the phone to call up to the surface for some reason or another. And while he's chatting, suddenly Tom turns around and he gets kicked into a little cage. It's like a cage with the electrical stuff in it or whatever. And then um, the latch, you know, gets closed on that, and the killer uses his pickaxe to bend it so that it won't easily open up again. And so Tom is helpless inside that cage watching as this guy brutally act pickaxes this other dude. And then when all the other miners come down, they see this dude dead, and then they see Tom in the cage, and, what did you do? What did you do? And I'm like, dude, the guy's clearly... What could he... In this case, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> what could he have done? <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's stuff and, like that. It, it, yeah. Right. Tom, however, having seen the miner, is is absolutely convinced it's Harry. Axel's still suspicious of him, and so Axel has Tom at the station, and he's questioning him. And in my notes, I just have pissing contests. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's funny. It's ridiculous. I mean, they may as well have just grabbed a ruler and pulled their dicks out. Like, that's <laughs> what this whole scene was. And eventually, I don't know, it's probably when Tom says, you know, you know she just settled for you. Axel punches him. Yeah. And then that's the end of that scene. And then <laughs> Well, other people are saying that Harry Warden came back. And so uh, at some point, like, there's a mini revelation that... Uh, Actually, the old uh, sheriff and his lackey or whatever had said that Harry Warden had died, had been buried. But actually, they didn't find the body. But actually, it turns out that he did chase Harry Warden out of the mine, or they found him as he came up through a different exit in the woods. And they took care of him right there and buried his body in the woods. I, this sounds sounded so convoluted and weird to me. Like it is convoluted, and and it's then even more convoluted because they all go out to the grave, like everybody. <laughs> yeah, <you are> right. <laughs> like like uh, if they're suspicious, I, I guess they're taking Tom out there because they want to prove it to him. But Sarah just tags along. Now I, I get that she's she's Axel's wife, but still, like, how is that appropriate? Oh, Sarah. Sarah's always in right where Sarah needs to be. Like, I don't know why she pops into the hospital as much as she does. I think she works. No, she doesn't work there. She works at a grocery store. Oh, yeah. Um, At one point, she's delivering Valentine's candy boxes. I didn't know if that was supposed to be a red herring or what, but I never did it cross my mind that the killer might be her. That grave, they go, and the grave is there, but it's empty. Somebody is dug up the body then the character of ben who i don't even really know who he is like one of is he just one of the old miners I like guess. like a leader of the miners union or something i don't know he's in a really nice house though yeah he has a really nice house <laughs> and he hears something outside he goes inside um and he walks across his foyer and this scene was very much like that scene in exorcist yes two or three, three. where you know like the white none or whatever you know walks into frame just like that and then he gets hit with the pickaxe i think but he ends up on the ground and i just i have fulci eye poke is it fulci was i right yeah you're right he it's it's like in the fulci zombie movie where it's like the eye he's got the he's got his face down there and he's slowly pushing him towards the pickaxe only in this case, instead of like slowly pushing him onto it, he ends up stomping his his head onto it, right? Yeah, but there's the slow like, <laughs> like the guy can yeah the guy can see this thing coming closer mm-hmm. and closer and closer to his eye, um, and I liked it. And and then of course you know he stomps his head onto it, and there's. 3D and blood splatters, and it looks, it's great, it looks fun. But there's kind of a dumb red herring here, too, where he's on his back and he looks up at this guy, who is, by the way, completely clothed in the minor gear with the face mask and everything, you can't see a thing, and he goes, Harry, it is you! Like, really? How does he know? Oh, yeah. You couldn't see a darn thing. He didn't take his mask off, let's just put it that way. That's Ben, and then he dies, and then they find him in that grave in the forest, which I... Yeah, what, did they go back and decide they needed to double-check it or something? Like, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> it was so weird. And yeah, I don't know. I have no idea why they went back. But the next scene is really good. The yeah. the Sarah and Meg in the grocery store. Love that scene. That was nice. Megan and Sarah in the grocery store, and they're kind of having a moment and chatting, which is different, you know, now that you know that Megan is sleeping with Sarah's husband, but Sarah doesn't appear to know that. They're, they're the- I don't know. It kind of seems like she's suspicious, and and she even she says something to Axel later, like I'm not blind. But they're the only two closing up, and the only two people in this entire grocery store where the lights are off. Oh gosh, I was having so many uh, flashbacks to what was that movie? Intruder. Intruders, man. And I was thinking, please don't do the intruders thing where they're stalking people down like six aisles of a grocery store. <laughs> but this, I loved it. This turned out good. <laughs> this turned out good. Yeah, it was really good and intense. And these girls were holding their own against this yeah. guy, which is what I liked the most about it. Like whacking them with the mop when somebody else is down and they go into the office in the back and they barricade the door. And in the meantime, they're flipping out. <laughs> Megan is flipping the the hell out and she manages to get a key so that they can unlock the padlock which is kind of, kind of like the the back window has a uh, bars against it that they've got to unlock and it's real tense and he's breaking through that door and it seems like he's going to get through the door then of course by the time megan gets that window open and starts to go out you see that the killers left the door yeah but this part bothered me and and sarah says that and she starts trying to pull her back in but the miner gets her from outside the door nope don't buy that at all. No. Nope. There's no way he could have gotten around there that fast. In fact, we see Sarah run out of the uh, office, and we see that she has to run all the way through the store yes. to the front of the store and out. And then once she was out there, if she were to go around to the alley, she would have to run clear around the building. It took him 10 seconds yes. max, and there's no possible way. The other bit that I found weird about this scene is that as soon as Megan is pulled out, she's gone. She's kind of quiet in the room, wondering what to do. She decides she's going to go out. She goes up and hits the alarm button. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you do this in the first place? <laughs> right. She hits the alarm button, and she runs through the store, like you said, to the front. And guess who's there? Is her husband, Axel. How was Axel there? I don't know. Axel was there because she hit the alarm? Did the cop come that quickly? And also, where was his car? Yeah, he was there because they want us to think it's him. Yeah, but it's not plausibly there. That's why I thought it might be him. I, I was did like, too. he's got no car here. He couldn't have been there that fast. And if he's crazy, he would have... Well, okay, so anyway, they go back, and in the matter of minutes um, that have passed, the killer has managed to entirely disembowel Meg, mm-hmm. um, smear her blood like <laughs> yes. you know, like three blocks down, and write and something cute. <laughs> yeah. Be mine forever, or something like Be that. Be mine forever. Oh, God. Which is the same thing that she wrote in the Valentine that she gave to him secretly yeah and 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 i was what i was gonna say before i said that is if he's psychotic he would have reason to kill her and that and and meg or not meg sarah says something about it everybody's connected to the mind just like 10 years ago megan wasn't maybe the killer was just trying to get to you what are you talking about i'm not blind axel so if he were the killer, he would have good reason for killing her. You know, get her out of the way. But he also was making strong efforts to kill his wife. That's true. That was the only thing that kind of made me think, oh, I mean, if then his motivation, I have no idea. Why would he be killing his wife? Because, you know, I, my idea as well is there's a jealousy thing going on here. It's the whole Tom bit, you know, like eventually he's, he wants to kill Tom. And Well, the next scene then is the minor is in Axel and Sarah's house. Yes. And... Like, I'm thinking, well, he must be going after their kid for some reason. And he kills the babysitter with his pickaxe. But then I don't remember what happens. And I don't remember if there's... I mean, like, I, I remember the payoff for this scene. It's another it's another throwback to the original. Eventually, when they, you know, when the police and every... Or I don't know, Axel, whoever it is comes back they find they they hear the dryer on and it's thumping um and so somebody pulls it open and the babysitter's body like kind of tumbles out and it's all burned up and and disgusting and that same thing happened 
In the original. In the original, it was in a laundromat. It was a giant industrial dryer. This right, was like right. a little dryer you'd have at your home. And I'm like, oh, don't tell me they're doing the, the, the dryer gag in this tiny little dryer. Yeah, it's not going to burn you. Up. I mean, you might, you'll get beat up in there, but <laughs> your skin's not going to melt you, off. It's not going to melt off. And I don't think you could even fit a person in a dryer like that. But you should try. <laughs> Give it a shot. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You're probably too tall. I'll try. I'll let you know. Could have fit the uh, the manager of the motel in a dryer like that. Probably. Definitely. Yeah. Or their kid. And that's what I'm. That's what. Is there any payoff for that? Like it seems like. Why did the kid survive? Well, why? Why was the killer there if not to get the kid? Yes, he was there just to kill the. <laughs> didn't like the uh, the maid or whatever. I don't know. But the thing I don't understand is how did the retired sheriff and a random cop end up at that house? I don't know. I don't remember that part. Who would have called the cops? What? Why were they there? I have no idea. All I know is that they pull up in front of that house and they go to the door and they're instantly drawn oh, their guns. Oh, that's right. I have in my notes, Burke alerts the guard that the killer is in the house. And then I have, how does he know? <laughs> how does he know that? Yeah. I. And, and then I guess, I don't remember if anything happens to the guard. I don't know. But like Burke, when he... He finds the sitter in the dryer, and then he comes back out on the porch, and then he gets his jaw ripped off. That was pretty awesome. By the killer. I mean, it looked great, you know, for a 3D effect, but so many questions. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really understand the mode, you know, like the killer's motives. And even knowing now who the killer is, I still am not entirely clear. No, I'm not either. (laughs) But anyway... Tom calls Sarah and says that he doesn't think it's Harry or something. Well, I think Sarah... Well, I don't know. In my notes, I say Sarah calls Tom, but that doesn't make sense. Tom must call Sarah and says, yeah, I know who it is. I think I know who it is. It's not Harry, Sarah. It's not Harry. And, and she's like, well, who is it? And he's like, well, I need to show you. Can Do you trust me? And she's like, uh, yeah, I trust you. And so he goes to pick her up. And then... Almost immediately, Axel calls Sarah on the cell phone, uh, telling her that they just received word that Tom has been in a mental institute for the last several years. And she's talking, you know, from the passenger seat of Tom's truck as they're speeding away to who knows where. So now they're setting up this whole deal where now we're suspicious of both Axel and Tom, and both of them are trying to convince Sarah that it's the other guy. So that's sort of the gag that we have now. Um and then there's a crash because Sarah freaks out and does what people in movies do, which is a really bad idea, which is, uh-huh. oh, I'm just going to grab the wheel and just spin it <laughs> to try to get yeah. you to stop the car. Like, yeah, no, it, it always crashes you. If, if not rolls you, it's a terrible thing to do. Don't do that, kids. So she ends up smashing. They smash into a tree. There's another great 3D effect of the branch going through the window. And I, I, I'm just like, I, if you had a bingo for cheap 3D movie effects. I think this would hit all the spaces on the card. Yeah. Or if you want to get if you want to get really really drunk, take a drink every time. <laughs> there's one of these effects. <laughs> True. So then Sarah runs off into the forest and they're there by the mines again and Tom kind of crawls out of the car, kind of lays down whatever. She's calling Axel and he says go to my dad's old place and hide. Finally I understand why there's this boarded up house near the mine that nobody really seems to know about. I mean, it, earlier Tom stumbles in there at one point, and this is where Axel has been boning Megan secretly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. He's not... He, <laughs> he doesn't pick up. You know, like, for the fact that apparently there's just a key hidden in a flower pot outside there so that, you know, Sarah knows about it, too, so she can get right in. Like, you'd think he'd clean up a little bit, Instead of leaving the chocolates that she gave him and the card that she gave him. So she she ends up there first. So she goes inside and she sees the mattress and she sees the chocolates and she sees the card for, you know, that Megan had given Tom. But then she flips open the chocolates and inside there is the picture of her and Tom. Right. So did Tom put that there thinking she would find it? I don't know. There's also she also opens a closet and and the like, 
a stack of like 300 Valentine's candy boxes fall out. <laughs> like like this this person, whoever the killer is, has like stocked up on these boxes <laughs> like just a- for <laughs> such an occasion. <laughs> he was planning to do a lot more killing before the movie was over, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And so then the miner shows up and she jumps out the window and runs to the mine. Yeah, of course. She ends up, she's in the mine. I don't know how she has a gun, but she does. And Axel runs in after her and she pulls the gun on Axel. And then Tom runs in and she's got the gun on both of them. And, you know, it's that classic thing it's not me, it's not me, it's him, it's him. But finally, Axel's like, well, okay, if you don't believe me, then I guess just shoot both of us. Which I think is supposed to make us, the audience, confident that it's really not him because he's really only concerned about her well-being. Right. Um, He's willing to take a bullet just as long as, as she's okay. But then Tom says something to Sarah like, you know he was boning Megan or something. You know the the writing above her body was the same as in the Valentine that she wrote him. And she says, "How did she know Megan was dead?" <laughs> and he's like, "Uh, you told me." You told me. <laughs> She's like, "How did you know about the words written on the wall?" At this point, it's pretty obvious kind of what's going on, except for that Tom is then, like, he looks over her shoulder and he's like, Sarah, turn around, it's him, it's him. We see the miner coming up behind her, but Axel and Sarah don't see him at all. And and Sarah's saying, there's nothing there, there's nobody there. And the miner walks right up to Tom's face and is standing right in front of him and then just disappears. Mm. Because it was all in Tom's mind. Mm-hmm. And then we get uh, the montage that shows us why Tom hasn't been in this movie at all. Because he's been very busy <laughs> digging up graves <laughs> and <Action>. people, <laughs> killing people. Up writing on the wall in blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because... It's so funny that they took the pains to show us in detail each one of these scenes one by one. Like, no, I get it. Tom's the killer. I got it. I don't... Yeah, <laughs> he's crazy. I get there it. It wasn't like a big mystery. How did he... Was he there? How was he there? No. I was asking myself, you know, when she had the gun pulled on both of them, I was in my head trying to figure out, did we ever see either of these guys with the killer? And we had. We had seen Tom with the killer, um, cause he fought with him in the mine that one time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that gets explained too. And he had in fact killed that miner and then locked himself in that cage. Yeah. Seems somewhat implausible. It seems very implausible. <laughs> but he did. Not, apparently. not only that, but it's a dumb idea. What motivated Tom to hatch this plan just so he could kill some random miner dude? Yeah, I don't know. And then do it in a way that would cast suspicion on him, except he locked himself in a cage. It's just like unnecessary attention to yourself. It doesn't make, it's still, and still his motivations don't make a lot of sense, unless his motivations are just that he's traumatized. I think that's, that's what they're trying to do. I think, I think they're just, his motivation is just he's traumatized, because he's been popping pills this whole time. There was a long lingering shot of his traumatized face in the earlier, you know, 10 years ago sequence. I think we're just supposed to believe he snapped and he's sort of like, I don't know, got to finish what Harry started or something. I don't know. I, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's weird. So he and Axel fight and Tom gets Axel in the gut with the pickaxe and then he runs into the mine. Tom does. And then he like it's it's so weird because he gets Axel with, in the gut and then he runs away. But then he just comes back. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> He's taking a breather. Yeah, but he comes back, you know, very slowly and, you know... He's very scary. He's like taking out all the lights in the mine. That was cool. As he comes. It was cool. That was a throwback to the original, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure there was another scene where the killer was coming down the hallway and as he was doing, he was smashing light bulbs. And But in this one, like every time he smashes a light bulb, it, there's a flash where he himself is like the miner. Like it's it's like a visual trick where uh-huh. he hits the light bulb and there's a kind of a brief flash as the light bulb goes out. And for that brief flash, you see a frame 
of him with the whole minor gear on. And that happens every single bulb he hits. It's kind of cool. It is cool. I thought that that could be hokey, but it worked for me. I, mm-hmm. I liked it. It was a cool effect, and you know, they did it just enough. Anyway, yeah, I really like that. But she, uh, Sarah, shoots Tom through the side, but he's also standing in front of a whole wall of oxygen tanks. Mm-hmm. And so the bullet, you know, we follow the bullet. We're looking down the barrel. We follow the bullet come out. We follow it all the way through Tom's side. We see it hit the oxygen tank, and um, it explodes. The next thing we see is Tom is laying unconscious, I guess, mm. kind of burned up in there, and a rescuer comes in, and uh, we see Tom grab his pickaxe, and he kills the rescuer, and we cut to outside, and somebody says, oh, Tom's dead, they found his body, and Axel and Sarah leave together, but then we see one of the guys who's come out of the mine in like a hazmat suit or whatever, he unzips his hood, and it's Tom! He's still alive. Tom should have gotten a little further away before taking his mask off, but... Uh, eh, he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's still ten times better than, uh, you know, the ending of the last one, where the killer's skipping off down the hallway. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day! <laughs> <laughs> now... Correct me if I'm wrong, but in the original, Axel was the killer, wasn't he? Ah, uh, yeah, you're right, he was. But there was no, there was no standoff. Like uh, there wasn't a lot of, mi- there was mystery. We still didn't really quite know who the killer was till towards the end. But there's a fake out where Axel supposedly died, fell in some water or something, but we never saw it happen. Uh huh. And then yeah, he pops back out and he ends up being the killer. But uh, it's not quite so melodramatic as this movie is, but. Uh, this movie was just very convoluted. I thought the, they were trying so hard, you know, and, uh-huh. and they captured the spirit of it. And it was very much in that 90s style horror film of the very beautiful young people, very slick and crisp lighting and all that stuff. Um, really pr- pretty good cinematography. I mean, I mean, thought it was it was very competently made, very nicely made. And and one of the things that it has in common with the original is that all those mine scenes were filmed in a mine. That's right. Which I thought was which I thought was pretty cool. I thought it would be cool if they had gone back to the original mine that loved having them so much, but maybe that right. was, wasn't available <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but all in all, for me, uh, I don't know. I I I probably won't see this again. Yeah. Because I don't want to sit through all the drama stuff. But solid kills, really great action, well-made movie, very much in that corny 90s style. And I was thinking about it today, too. I was like, you know, it's not any cornier or sillier than any other 80s slasher movie we see. Oh, no. It's just corny and silly in that 90s way instead of that 80s way. Uh Uh-huh. It's got a different aesthetic, Mm -hmm. um, a, a different visual aesthetic. So, I don't know. It just feels kind of different. That that hokiness plays worse. <laughs> play it, play, yeah. It plays it plays strange with the photorealism. You know the the eighties. You know the the film was kind of gritty and and low grade and and so and they feel low budget anyway. Those movies, right? Uh-huh. And the acting's usually very poor, and the people, you know, might not all be beautiful. Whatever, like it's not as slick, and so the hokiness kind of goes with the whole thing. Like, yeah, right. we're sitting down to watch a dumb low budget cash grab. Whereas this movie doesn't have the production values nor the acting talent of that kind of movie, right? But it is still just as hokey. <laughs> I, I I really didn't have any problem with the acting. It was melodramatic, but I think that was the writing in the direction. I think yeah. that these actors are, are, are entirely competent and good-looking people. You know, it's, it's always nice if you're going to sit and watch uh, an almost two-hour-long movie. At least you've got pretty people mm-hmm. to look at. Um, honestly, as a popcorn flick, I think it's great. Yeah. It's a fun watch. The kills are gory and fun, and there's lots of them. I think this would be a great date movie. Yes. Uh, especially since it's Valentine's. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, yes. Happy- <laughs> See what we did there? Wow. Two birds with one stone. <laughs> Just in case you didn't, you didn't put two and two together. <laughs> So yeah, I do. I think it'd be fun to you know sit down with a date and and watch this. You could you could watch it for the kills. I mean, it, you're not watching it for the story. No, God no. Fast forward through that. Yeah, you could even you know goof on it if you wanted to. Is it is it great? Is it amazing? No, 
<laughs> the story is actually really silly and contrived and it, it's not even it's so melodramatic as to be eye roll worthy um but who cares that's not why you're here for it anyway nope. so uh, overall if you're looking for you know a movie to watch with your valentine this year you could do much worse yeah <laughs> um if you if you've never seen especially if you've never seen this movie it's fun um, for one viewing, like you said, I don't know that I ever need to see it again. Um, but it's it's worth seeing once. So, if you were to recommend either the original or this one to somebody who wants to watch this once for Valentine's Day, which would you pick? I think the first one is a better movie, but I think that this one might be more fun just because of the blood and violence and. Mm. But I do. I think the first one is a better movie. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough question. What would you say? Boy, I guess it just depends on who I'm talking to, right? Yeah. If I knew if I knew that person would very much appreciate an older film that, you know, is kind of silly and corny, then I would probably recommend that one to them because I do agree. I think it's a better movie. But then, you know, some people just don't have the patience for that or just want to see something a little more modern with with actors they recognize and just a little more action-packed. Yeah. In which case, this is the one for sure. I agree. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode, our second in our series of remakes this month. We have two more coming your way. Thank you so much for listening to us. Being Valentine's Day, this is our time when we just share some love with you guys. We love you, all of our listeners, particularly our patrons who are supporting us and uh, who are the ones who came up with the idea of the remake month that we're doing today. If you would like to join the ranks of our patrons, just check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash chainsaw podcast. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Ah.